Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I hope that everybody who is a regular listener has had the chance to listen to the last couple of episodes that we have have had. We've had some great guests who I think have shared some really powerful insights. I think you have to go back and, and really take some time to make sure you haven't missed the recent episodes. I've personally been very satisfied with the quality of information that's being shared on Cool Things because... The whole reason I started this show was to share ideas and nuggets of inspiration with people who have an interest in entrepreneurship. And that means whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a business leader, or maybe somebody who works inside a company but just has a big dose of that entrepreneurial spirit. And you know, if you're a true entrepreneur, I think in your heart, you're willing to try new things. Taking a risk doesn't scare you. And that's been on my mind a lot. And that's what today's episode is all about. I just got back from a conference called XDP, which stood for Experience Design Project. And it was put on by the American Society of Association Executives. Now, this is the Association of Associations. And for those of you who don't work in the meetings world or the association business, that is a really powerful and important association because there are so many associations who are helping people in all different types of industries. If you're a regular listener to this show, you know that one of the things I encourage everybody, whether they're a small business uh, or a large business, is they should be active in their trade association because when we get together and work with other people, great things can happen. And if you just think, oh, I don't want to go where my competitors are and you go hide, you could be missing out on some of the best information. Now, ASAE, one of the things they always hear from their members is – because associations hold a lot of meetings. One of the things they hear is, you know, I wish we could do something different with meetings. And I know this as a professional speaker and master of ceremonies. My clients always ask me, hey, you spoke 60 times in 2016. What is it that you saw that was different? Because we don't always just want to go to a hotel, check in, you know, put a little magnetic name tag on and then have, you know, uh, scrambled eggs and then go listen to a keynote and then go to breakouts and get a chicken lunch, etc., etc. Now, there's certain logistics about putting on an event for 200 or 2,000 or or 20,000 people that you can't do it entirely different. You can't take 20,000 people out into a field and and give them, you know, tambourines and campfires. I mean, not every event can be Burning Man. And yet, events that take place at a hotel or a convention center can take some of those elements of these really noticeable events like Davos and South by Southwest and Ted and Burning Man and so many others, and they can incorporate them little piece by piece into doing things different because the reason we get together, the reason we gather is to be able to share and connect. Now, it used to be that you went to an association meeting because it was the only place you could get cutting-edge information about your industry. That was where the expert came, experts came and shared ideas, and it was the only way you were going to have any access to these really fresh thoughts, to the innovation that was happening in your own industry. However, you may have noticed this little thing has come around called the internet, 
and it has changed so many things in so many businesses, and it has directly impacted the world of associations and the world of meetings. Like I said, it used to be being involved in these groups was the only access that you had to anything new and exciting. Now, with a computer or a smartphone or a tablet, you're able to download white papers and TED Talks and longer lectures. You can log on to webinars. You can attend entire conferences virtually. And this is all a good thing. However, it doesn't replace that face-to-face meeting. There is something powerful because the two reasons people go is for the information, which now is available online, and the networking. And some people make the argument, well, I can network online. I can link, click to people and link in. But human beings are still experiential. I mean, we still have something special when we get together face-to-face. And real relationships are made through shared experiences. So when the internet really took off more than a decade ago, there was predictions that, well, that will be the end of the meetings business. You'll have less face-to-face meetings. I've heard statistics that say now, 2017, there are going to be more face-to-face meetings than at any time in history. In cities like Austin, Texas, where I live, every it seems every year they're opening up a new giant hotel that has entire convention centers to themselves. Our big convention center in Austin wants to double in size so that they can continue to attract more and more of these live face-to-face meetings. So if this is not going away, if face-to-face isn't dying – We have to find ways to change it up and make it different and and make it an experience that isn't the same if you go to two or three association meetings a year, whether it's with the same association or different ones, you don't want it to be the same. So ASA decided that they would try something new. Now, I love that. As I said earlier, I'm all about it. My favorite thing is when a client or a potential client calls me and says, Tom, we want to try something different. Are you willing to play with us? And oftentimes, as a master of ceremonies or even as a speaker, they'll want to shake things up. And I'm always willing to do that because I think it makes for an exciting meeting. But when you do that, me as the speaker, but more importantly, the association, if they want to try something different, they're taking a risk because some people don't like change. And change for the sake of change isn't always going to work. And so you have to try new things and you have to take risks. But when you're looking at a meeting for a big association like this that might have 2,000 people, it's hard to take that type of a risk. And I have to tip my hat to ASAE for what they did. They put together the XDP. And what happened was is they had a great event in Washington, D.C. They had almost 2,000 people, somewhere well over 1,000 people. And it wasn't your typical meeting. But at the same time, it wasn't the old unconference. I've seen a lot of that where you know people show up and they vote on what's going to sp- speak. It was still a curated event. It was still thought out. The organizers put a lot of time and effort into creating this. But there were so many things that were different. ASA partnered with a company called 360 Live who did a great job in helping put this whole thing together. And then Megan Denhart from the Denhart Group, who I worked with for my part in this – was absolutely fantastic. She was a charge, in in addition to many other things, the table leaders. What they needed for this event was well over 100 people to actually volunteer their time to be table discussion leaders. These people had to know how to facilitate and how to relate to the people and keep things going because a lot of this was not about a sage on the stage. It wasn't about the speakers. It was about the sharing that was going to take place at this event. 
So I'm still kind of high on it because I just got home late last night and I thought, you know what? I'm going to share this with my audience. Now, not all of you who listen are in the meetings business. So you might say, well, why is this important? Well, it's because you need to try new things in your own business. You need to shake things up so that you can, number one, be noticed, and number two, change the experience, the design that you put in to your interaction with your clients. One of the examples that was shown at the thing was about packaging, and it talked about how you know boxes and packaging sort of always looks the same, but then we remember when the iPhone first came out, and the person who was speaking asked the audience, how many people still have the box that your iPhone came in. And I chuckled because sure enough, mine is sitting right here because the packaging, the design was so much nicer, so much more experiential than anything we'd ever experienced before when we'd purchased a phone that it changed everything. So it doesn't matter if you're selling a phone or you're a consultant or you're a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or if you're running a manufacturing company or if you're someone like me who is the product, right? I'm as a, as a master of ceremonies and, and a speaker and a podcast host. I'm the product. If you don't like this show, you fire me by clicking the little off button and moving on to another show. So I have to find ways to make sure that I'm being engaging and doing things differently, and I'm always looking for those ideas. And you can get ideas anywhere you go. So this event was hosted by a woman named Lisa K. Solomon. Now, she is an author and an expert on innovation. She's a strategist. She works for a company called Singularity University, and I had never heard of Lisa before. But I really enjoyed the conversation that she and I had because as the master of ceremonies, she really felt a strong responsibility to make sure that this was a good experience for the people who were there. And so I'm just going to talk about a couple of things that they did in this program and then ask you, how can you do that in your own thing? So they they had five – they had a big room that held, like I said, well over a 1,000 people, but it wasn't a stage set up against a wall with tables in the round or theater seating. Instead, they had a round stage in the middle of the room and in the, around it, the chairs all faced in, but – The stage was divided into five quadrants, and each quadrant had a runway that came out that had its own little stage at the end. Think of like a a traditional stage that you might see at a fashion show. You've got the main stage, but then the runway juts out into the audience. The same was true here, except there were five runways that ran out. Now, the curtain (coughs) – excuse me – the curtain on this stage, when it was dropped, created a background for five different areas – which meant that depending on where you were sitting, which quadrant or five dwent or whatever, what section you were in, you were going to have a different speaker simultaneously. Now, that's different. Have you ever been in a giant ballroom for well over a thousand people where five people are speaking in five areas all at once? Now, if you have, that could create some problems. And one of those problems would be How come you're not talking over each other? How do you not hear all the different things? I mean, it's not like you can have like big giant cones of silence that are there. So what they did is they actually created a way that when you were sitting in a certain section and you moved throughout the day, each one of us got to visit three different sections. When you moved to a different section, you had a small radio and that radio had five different channels on it. And so depending what quadrant you were on, you you tuned to channel one through five. And you were able to hear your speaker. And if there were questions from the audience and they had a microphone out in the audience, you would only hear the people talking from the stage or back to the stage who were in your own section. It worked out great. 
Now, I've been to things where they have these really large, clunky uh, headsets, maybe in trade show ballroom, uh, trade show show floors where they're going to have a stage, and you have to check them in and check them out. These were disposable, very inexpensive little AM radios that had the five channels built into them with little teeny, just simple earbuds. And you were totally able to hear what was going on in your section. You'd stick your earbuds in, tune to your channel. You could set the volume to whatever worked for you. It was great. And so they set up one room where simultaneously there were five different experiences. The other thing is, is the speakers were not just lecturing from the stage. Everybody was sat in tables, but you might, or in rounds, but you might be at a round table. You might be in a living room setup with a couple of couches and chairs with a coffee table in the middle. Some of people had school desks that were put together. So there were different types of setups that allowed each time you moved to a different section, allowed you to have sort of a different feel and a different experience. I thought that was great because it wasn't the same thing all day long because sometimes if you're just sitting at a table all day, you know, you can start to tune out. But every hour and a half, you were changing to a new section. That sort of allowed uh, for the experience to change. So each section had a different theme. There was location, which if you – these are themes that matter to the world of events. You might have – for your industry, you might have different themes that would be important. But for this, it was location, learning, marketing, uh, technology, and experience. Now, think about that in the world of events. The location matters, but the location is not just the hotel or the ballroom. It starts when people arrive at the airport. It's what's going on if you have to bus people between hotels or to an off-site thing. That bus becomes a location. How are you utilizing that? Uh, one person shared that they utilized the bus as an extra education so people could get continuing learning while on the hour bus ride out to their off-site. Think about that. That's thinking different about what is a location. This particular event, the ballroom itself, had five separate locations because each section for each theme had a different one. Another one of those was learning. We talked about all the different learning styles and the different ways people put together. In my group, one of the things that was fed back was too often when an association plans a conference, they pick all their speakers six months to a year out and they lock down every ballroom and every slot. But then if something happens in their industry – or they meet a speaker while at an event, they either see him speak or they, they hear about him from somebody else a month before their event, they can't add that person in because all of their keynote spots are filled. They said one thing you have to do with your learning is leave some of it open to serendipity so that you can fill it either the month before or even days before the event. And they said be sure to save maybe a little bit of your budget and some of your ballroom space for the really hot topics or someone you discover at the last minute because if you meet a new speaker, you don't want to wait a year or a year and a half to have them. You want to have them at your conference three weeks out if they're available. And I thought that was good because it changes the way we think about learning. We're not thinking learning is static and decided a year out. The topics have to be able to flow because things come up, things happen. Make it so the event is fresh and that. Another section was marketing. And all of us in business care about marketing because if you plan an event and nobody comes, that's a really big problem. But marketing is more than just sending out postcards. Marketing is creating the buzz and it's not just about social media. There's so many different pieces that you have to build in order to get people excited to be at your event. Of course, I don't think in any industry you could have a section where technology wasn't one of those sections. And in the meetings world, technology is changing a lot. And just what they did with the little closed-circuit radios was a perfect example 
of using technology to solve a problem. Because how could you have five speakers simultaneously around a big round stage if you didn't have some way to make sure that their voices could be heard by only the audience who needed to hear them and not cross-pollinating and distracting people? And then the experience. The experience is something that matters in everything we do. We live in a world now, no matter what industry you're in, where people walk away. They want more than facts and figures. Yeah, they want that. They want more than a good price. They want to feel an experience. And so I challenge you, no matter what you do for a living, what is the experience that people have because of their interaction with you and your company? This all really matters. I want to tell you a little bit more about XDP and why it mattered to me, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what you can do to try new things. But before I do that, I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. If you're a regular listener, you know who my sponsor is, and that is Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of starting your own podcast. Now, a podcast might be something that you want to do to promote your business, but we're talking on this episode about trying new things. You don't want your podcast just to be like everybody else's. You don't want to just copy mine or somebody else who you listen to. You want to figure out, how do I make my podcast unique? You know what? Ask that question of Podfly Productions because they are awesome at helping you Cut through the hard parts of figuring out how to do your podcast. Plus, once you're up and running, they do all the heavy lifting. They tell you what equipment to use. They give you the training. They give you the guidance so that you're going to sound amazing. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, you don't want it to be dull and boring. You need to have the right people on your team, and I recommend Podfly Productions. Jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and see the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So one of the things that was was really stressed through the whole program was what they called the six R's. And the six R's were reach, retention, relevance, reputation, revenue, and return on investment. Now, when you think about that stuff, what, what, what do those mean and, and why are those important? Well, they asked everybody before they attended which of those really resonated with them. And REACH was the percentage of attendees an event at an event uh, out, out to the accessible audience uh, that have buying power. They want to make sure that they're reaching the right people, that they're, they're getting the right number of people there. Retention was the number of attendees returning to an event year after year. If you're in the events business, getting people to come back is so important. And that's one of the things that I love to work with clients on is how do you make sure that they're having that experience where they're telling other people and they're coming back. Relevance is the core appeal of an event and the organization to its audience. And is it relevant? I mean, not everybody would have benefited from going to XDP. But for those of us who work in and around the events business, it totally mattered. But here's an interesting thing. There were only a handful of professional speakers who volunteered to be table leaders or paid to attend as a vendor. I could probably count on one hand how many people I knew. Now, I don't know every speaker, but I only saw a couple of people who I know are professional speakers, and yet everything they were talking about in this meeting, went back to who are you putting on your stage. This should have been something that was totally relevant to my world, but not that many people came. The next one is reputation, and this is something that 
I ranked number one when I filled out the survey of which of these six R's mattered to me. I put reputation first. What was so interesting is they came back and shared of these of these six uh, areas, of these six objectives. Reputation was the one people cared the least about. And yet, I think in this crazy social media gadget, you know, crazed world, I think that all everything comes back to your reputation. People do business with people they know, they like, and they trust. And they also do that with businesses and associations. I think the reputation should be the number one thing people care about because if they believe in your product and they believe in you, they're going to refer you and they're going to come back time after time. So I found that really interesting that reputation was not the number one goal. Revenue was one of the top goals and that is people thinking about how are we doing top line? Are we getting the right sponsors? How many people are we getting that are paying that are driving that revenue? And then of course is that return on investment and that is making sure that uh, the event income uh, compared to the event investment for the organizer but the ROI is also important for the attendee. I think this was really interesting that they pulled the whole audience before they came about these objectives because – I think we need to know that about our customers. In any industry that we're in, what are the objectives the customer has for doing business with us? What is the objective that you have for listening to a show called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do? I often think I know. I created this show around who was I 10 years ago when I was a person who was dreaming of working for myself. I didn't know what my business was going to look like. I wasn't sure that I was going to be a speaker, but I knew I wanted to go out and do something on my own. I wanted to call my own shots. I didn't want to be at the whim of you know, a boss having a hard time and deciding to lay off half their staff and me being pushed out the door. I wanted to be the person who made those decisions. I wanted to be the person who was able to protect myself. And yet – So I think that's who I created the show for was people who wanted to go do their own thing. Maybe they hadn't done it yet. But when I look at my own audience and when people write me, I have a lot of people who are already there. So I created the show thinking what mattered, what was relevant to my audience was you want to get there. But when I talk to people, a lot of people are already there. I also have a lot of people who don't want to start their own business. They just want to be more entrepreneurial in their job. And so when I get this type of feedback, I have to pay attention to it because if we're just assuming we know what matters to people, we can go down a lot of different paths. So how about you? What matters to the clients that you serve? And, and clients could be your coworkers. You could have internal clients if you don't have your own business. Are these things you're thinking about and are you polling them? That was one of the things I sort of walked away with was what are the objectives of the people who hire me or listen to this show? And I'm going to start asking those questions more often so that I'm not just making those assumptions. I got to tell you, I'm really, really high on this event. Was it perfect? No, not by any means. If they were to ask me, I would share some feedback of some things I would do different. And I don't think there was enough of, of a community of networking established. It was great, the people at my table. I got to have some great conversations, but that took up most of the day. I would have loved to have had a little bit more white space built in where there was a little bit more time for people to really connect. Now, part of that's self-serving because over half the people in the room were people who could have hired me. Now, obviously, they're not all going to hire me and they're not all going to like me and they all don't want you know, a conference that has you know, a speaker or an MC that is geared towards you know, connection and potential because my topic doesn't work for everybody. But the more people you meet at a conference, the more opportunity that you're going to find somebody who you have that unique serendipity with, that ability to build sort of an ongoing 
friendship. Because if you belong to an association together, you're going to show up at that same event year after year, and real relationships are built over time. So you need to have that time to to have those conversations. It's more than exchanging cards. It's really having that time to to build sort of that that ongoing, you know, intimate friendship with people where you can have that conversation and see it get more and more every time you get together. So I would have liked to have had a little bit more social hour and a little bit more of a culture pushing people to see who they could meet, how many people they could meet, to really embrace the the connection side of the conference. And yet, at the same time, I took pages and pages of notes. Now, I don't plan meetings, so I would take things not directly for what they said because I don't, I don't pick the location. But I, in the location section, I took a lot of notes about what I could do to help create little sublocations when I do a breakout. What can I do in my breakout room? What can I bring to make that location of that breakout room I'm in special? You know, do I just put chocolate on the table? Do I have some sort of a handout? I took a whole bunch of notes. I don't know where it goes, but I was inspired very much by that section. So you, I think, need to participate in events like this in your industry where people are trying new things. I have to say a big thumbs up to ASA and all of their partners who made this event a success. Now, what can you do to make sure that you're trying something new? Because it was a risk to invite this many people to a conference for a couple of days because what if it didn't work? What if the radios didn't work? What if people didn't like having five things? And you know what? They said, we're going to try. And they didn't overdo it. They didn't stand up too many times saying, oh, we're, we're trying something new. But everyone there knew they were part of a grand experiment. The great thing is they're going to do it again next year, and my guess is they will tweak it. They will find ways to take what worked, maybe some things that didn't work, and mash them together so that next year it's going to be even better. And I think that's what you need to do with your own business. What can you try? What can you try where afterwards you can go back and say, hmm, this part worked. We're going to elevate that. That part didn't. We'll let that go. I do it in my own business when I give speeches. Now, when I'm brought in by a big company or an association to speak to a large audience of five or 600 people, I don't usually try new material, but I will do an event locally for a nonprofit for a much lower fee. And when I do that, I always try something new. Now, I don't usually try a whole new show, but I do try to add in some new stories. And then I watch for what the audience reaction is to those stories, and I decide if those are good enough. If I wasn't always trying new material, I would be giving the same speech that I gave 10 years ago when I started this, and I still have the same themology. The whole idea behind the conference catalyst is still the same, but if you were to go back and watch a video of me eight years ago doing an opening speech at a conference or being the master of ceremonies, you would see entirely different stories and entirely different style of me as a speaker because over time, I have continued to try and I've enhanced what works and I've let go of what doesn't work. Same thing is true with this whole new program that I came up with last year, the paradox of potential. Audiences are really liking it. It's still new. I still need to tweak it. It's not perfect, but I tried something new. I created a whole new keynote around some research that I've been doing, and I was asked by somebody who has worked with me many times who was at XDP. They were one of my clients, and they said, tell me about the paradox of potential. They've never hired me to do this. They've always used me as the conference catalyst or to give a speech on networking. And they said, what is this all about? And how did it come to be? 
And I don't know if I've really shared this with the audience here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, but I know last year, if you were a regular listener, I talked several times about the one-man show that I was writing. And the one-man show, I've written it. It needs to be tweaked and fixed, but talk about trying something new. I've never written a play before. I've certainly never written a play that I was going to perform as a character rather than being myself. But the main character of the show was my own childhood imaginary friend, and he was not pleased with the fact that I didn't always live up to my potential. And in doing this and in talking about it, a lot of the research that I was doing to give some credence to what he was saying in the play, I started discovering a lot about potential and the gap between potential and results. And it turned out it wasn't just me. This is something that is is a real problem for people. And it often has to do with our own mindset. We, we see the world a certain way that isn't necessarily true. And the people who get ahead of us look at the world a little differently. They look at the world that they can they, – they feel that they have a possibility where sometimes people have a closed mindset where they think, oh, I don't have the right degree or I don't have the right personality. I don't know the right people. And I fell into that trap throughout my life several times. And in doing the research for the play, I discovered that this was something that I was starting to use in my speeches. And so what I did is I started doing some research. I started polling people about how they see their own results in regards to their own potential. And there was a lot of things there. And so I've, I've, I've continued to do the research. I've continued to read studies done by people who are a lot smarter than me. And I have found this thread that is so powerful. And now it's my new keynote. But here's the thing. I had to be willing to try new things. If I wasn't willing to try my hand at writing a one-man show, I would never have created this new keynote. Now, somebody asked me what happened to the one-man show. Well, I performed well. I didn't really perform it. I read it through for several of my friends, and I got feedback. And the feedback was positive that I was on to something really good. Trying this was good. I, ha- I had a nugget, but I wasn't there, and I got a lot of really powerful advice of different ways I could take it. And I've been thinking about it now for the last about 10 months. I will go back and finish this play. However, what was the byproduct of it was this whole new keynote that's really exciting and is having a material effect on my little company because the paradox of potential is something that companies need to hear. Sales teams who wouldn't necessarily hire me to come in and teach networking are hiring me to come in and talk about how do we get our people to realize how to bridge some of that gap towards their own results. So that's the point that I'm trying to make is that you got to try new things because when you do, something huge and exciting could come out. I didn't wake up and say, I'm going to write a keynote called The Paradox of Potential and I'm going to go and do this research on how people are relating to their potential. No, I went and tried something totally out of the box, something artistic, something people might not expect from me. And as I did it, it opened up other opportunities. And that's what I think XDP was all about. I don't think that many of the associations who are in the room will go and totally recreate a two-day conference based on everything that they saw in Washington this last week. However, I do know that different people there saw things where they said, ooh, that little chunk, I'm going to take that and put that into my next conference that's two months from now or, or two years from now. I know for a fact one of my clients had a problem with the fact that they have a stage right in the middle of their trade show. And the problem is it's really hard to hear and it's really annoying for the booths who are near the stage. She got the company's name of the vendor who created these little inexpensive closed-circuit radios, and that will solve her entire problem. She can give these away to people. It's not an outrageous cost. She can have them sponsored, and it's going to allow that stage to be so much more powerful. And she said that was worth every penny of her being there. 
She's not redesigning her whole conference. She just found one little element and plugged it in. That's why you got to try new things. That's why you have to show up at your own association and see what they're trying new and what information they have that's new because it might just inspire you to go down another path. So anyway, I'm fired up about trying new things. I'm trying to figure out what else I can do. Uh, Maybe go back and finish the one-man show. Maybe go take a class and learn to paint. I am like a horrible stick figure-y type artist. But I thought, you know, maybe if I go and learn, take some, some artistic classes, maybe that will open up something else that will have a direct impact on what I do and what I do uh, as a speaker and what I do on this podcast. So I'm fired up on the idea of trying new things. I hope you are too. And I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an episode with somebody very cool. But in the meantime, I'm challenging you, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.